the world is collapsing around our ears, and you turned up a podcast. Say what? Hey, 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 head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, where you can uh, be all your life podcast supporters. This will, if you don't like REM and stuff, all that will make sense uh, when you get to that part of the episode. Thanks. Have a KRS wonderful day. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And this is File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that R.A.M. is America's best rock band. Yes, despite certain missteps that open their yeah. al- album here. Now, we, listen, <laughs> podcast listeners. <laughs> if you think that because we like R.A.M. enough to do a show about it, we're going to be kind of radio song, uh, you've yeah. got another thing <laughs> coming. If you think R.A.M. wasn't hip, you thought <laughs> R.A.M. couldn't rap. Yeah. Uh, think again uh so this week we're talking about out of time which is their biggest album it sold over 10 million copies yeah Um, this is huge it's ridiculous it's their it's their crossover hit it's their breakthrough hit like even beyond getting on to warner brothers like this is the one that uh kind of made them what they are a little bit in the mind of the broader public who maybe hadn't been following them or watching their rise um and i think has defined them um even going forward everybody looks back um, to uh, you know, a good deal of the songs that are on this as like, hey, that's what REM sounds like. Yeah, yeah, this is the part, I mean, very early on, like the first episode where you talked about like, if you could think of REM as kind of super adult contemporary, like this is probably where that comes from, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and these, this is, this is, this is Calm Boy, you know? <laughs> yeah. This, this, these, these, are, these are soft boys. This yeah. is when we're going to get soft. This is, you know, it's not even, uh, it's less rocking than green. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Green's like not a rocking album. No. Like this is a, this is a very mandolin led acoustic album yeah. uh, that they they ride this for a little while. Yes, they do. You know? Like this yeah. is this is definitely uh, maybe not part of a trend line because it's probably mm, I mean it's yeah it's it's pretty low energy compared to something like uh, Automatic for the People. Um, but yeah, like it definitely follows. It's not a non sequitur after Green. Like they were yeah they're like there were tracks like You Are the Everything that directly point to the way they would compose and write songs for this um this came out in uh, march of 1991 two and a half years after green came out um specifically you know that delay is longer than any other delay they've had um because they toured so much um yes you know <laughs> like when you're on the road for 11 months you cannot really write and rehearse new songs yeah yeah and they uh they thought they were like we're gonna take a very long break when we get back and kind of didn't <laughs> you know because they're because they're young men like stipe did stipe like didn't show up for work for a couple of months you right know? right but like they just kind of got together and were playing instruments but because they had done this tour they were like you know they, there's an anecdote where they turn on the amp and like it just made this buzz and they're like i don't like this Yips. you know like this is making me feel like exhausted already yeah it's it's like you if know? you get food poisoning from a from a place like if you get food poisoning from chipotle and somebody brings it in from work um like and you smell it like oh no yep. yeah yeah i was like that was southern comfort for a long time oh yeah yeah um but it's, it's like that. So they, they were, they had that, that reaction to rock. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they just wanted to play different instruments, which they experimented a lot with in green, but now they were kind of more adamant about it. Yeah. So this isn't an album that is entirely devoid of electric guitar, but it is taking even more of a backseat than it did in green. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, a side story about the release of this. So it came out in 1991 um, when the motor voter bill was uh, was being uh, kind of legislated. That would that was the uh, uh, the act that said, like, hey, you can register to vote at the DMV. Um, and REM being, you know, a progressive band was like, Hey, the more people who can register the vote, the better. Um, and so, um, they also wanted, uh, uh, they were resistant to selling their CDs in long boxes. Again, long boxes being the cardboard sheaths that you would put a CD case in in order so they could be shelved on, um, on, uh, record stores you know shelves like alongside uh lps and stuff like that so they struck a compromise between these two things saying hey we'll put these in long boxes but these long boxes are actually going to be pre-filled out petitions for people to send to their representatives saying hey i i want the motor voter bill to pass so you have this you know platinum multi-platinum album going out um at least in its very earliest days um with a pre-written petition um, that is uh, kind of meant to flood the offices of lawmakers to say, like, hey, it should probably be easy to register to vote. Explicitly, <laughs> you know, combating voter suppression. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, tons of tons of relevance now. Yes, exactly. Um, and it was like a, a like a crazy out of the box uh, use of record packaging and a, like a distinctly REM kind of thing. Um, again, taking an environmental stance and also, you know, a progressive politics stance. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's pretty cool. There's a, there's a really good, um, episode of 99% invisible about this. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll find a link for that to put it in the notes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it goes, it goes into even more depth on that story. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. And yeah. it's, and that's what a force for good. You yes. know? Um, that's back in the day when we had the liberty of being like, just vote. I don't care who you vote for. <laughs> right. You know, like, uh, no, no longer. Nope. Um, yeah. And uh, so there's a uh, they didn't tour, as we mentioned, um, they did put out a I didn't really tour. We'll talk about kind of what they did instead. Um, they did put out this electronic press kit yes. for it for people to kind of like butter people up for, which is them mm -hmm. kind of talking about stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah. Like their their approaches towards making the record, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. It was uh, really cool to get to see them, you know, because most of the uh, most of the media is either like these really um, poorly produced, like <laughs> um, like uh, television packages. Mm -hmm. Um, like this is them presenting themselves the way, the way they want to be presented. And it's like great to see, you know, I never see Bill Barry talk, but here you yeah. get to see him talk a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. His mouth doesn't move when he does it. His <laughs> eyes glow. Um, that's on YouTube. It'll be in the notes. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So like when they sat down to make this, as we mentioned, they got back from the tour, they couldn't stand looking at their amps. Uh, the instrumentalists in the band uh, sat around. They wanted to swap instruments, and they wanted to make something specifically kind of more orchestral. Yes, the, the, this this uh, push was led by Peter Buck. He's like, we just we just need to make something different. Yeah, you know, and again, like you can see that kind of like doing this this examination of REM has been really fun because every album is kind of a reaction. Like you see where this stuff comes from. Yeah, you know, and this is one of those things. Like this is, uh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, you can see where it comes from. Yeah. So like Peter Buck, again, um, he he got the mandolin bug um, from from Green. Um, Mills wanted to put down the bass and start playing keyboard like he's an incredibly talented musician um, in, 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 a, in a number of ways. Um, and uh, Bill Berry 
uh, wanted to play bass. So like everybody just kind of like dropped their instrument and moved one to the left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it works like it surprisingly works. And, um, we'll talk about this when we start talking about the demos and everything, but this entire process is cataloged Yes, for the first time and last time in their career. <laughs> um, the early versions of these songs and their evolution is actually available for purchase. Yeah. It's very cool mm-hmm. um, to hear how this kind of shook out. Yeah. Um, lyrically, Michael Stipe really wanted to uh, write an album of love songs. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, the big, uh, we'll talk about the other also rands for album titles, but the one that isn't embarrassing would have been fiction. Yes. Um, and he wanted to do that just to kind of be like, Hey, these are not necessarily things that happen to me or about me. Mm-hmm. Um, these are just like kind of personas and characters I'm taking. Yeah. On. Um, and that probably would have saved him some misunderstanding um, yes. for, for the rest of his entire career. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit frustrating because Michael Stipe goes around and says, Oh, I've never written a love song before. Like dog, you wrote Hotek. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you've you definitely written love songs before, but yeah. Michael Stipe is a really big fan of saying like, I've never done this. Right. Right. Boy, like that guy would be so fucked on Twitter. Like I can't <laughs> say like most things are this without <laughs> the exception brigade getting on my dick. Yep. And like, just imagining like him having to be on Twitter and having to deal with, Oh, but, but actually like, but, but technically is like the worst, like, or like the also shitty older cousin of, but actually, mm-hmm. You know, and like, man, the, the exception brigade is, is really exhausting. No, you forgot. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, you forgot. Um, yeah. You know, he's speaking in generalities. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, let, let him be. <laughs> you know, I, 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 be... Didn't, I didn't mean to exception brigade you. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying in general, like it is. And I'm not it doesn't add to the conversation when people do that, you mm-hmm. know, like they, they were, you know, and you were not doing that to him seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, because something can be worth talking about if it's 80 percent true. Mm-hmm. Like if Michael Stipe had said instead of I've never written a love song, I don't write a lot of love songs. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. still a trend that's worth talking about. Yeah, it does. It's not useful to be like, well, but actually X, Y and Z. Again, you're not talking to him. So I don't mind you doing that in a critical <laughs> consensus right. of talking about Michael Stipe. But it's yeah. like, you know, it's it's a tr- he, what he means is I don't write a lot of love songs. Right. You know, which is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so the recording session, the, the, the recordings for this were, um, pretty easy, right. As compared to green, which, you know, they spent way too much time in the studio. Um, this just kind of laid out most of what they, most of what they put down was done either in the first, uh, the first one or two takes. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was done live, um, aided, I think by, uh, by Peter Holsapple, um, of the, uh, of the DBs. The DBs. Yes. Yeah, the the DBs, DBs broke up. So he was available. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of came in to be this flex musician, you know, like with all of, with all these people, um, switching all their instruments, there were gaps that needed to be, needed to be filled. And he became this unofficial, um, fifth member of REM, um, to like help them not have to do everything in overdubs, right? Because there's still new, there still needed to be drums in a lot of cases. Um, so they would do it this way to have everything have a more live feel. Yeah, and replacing the guy who ended up uh, leaving them for uh, Cryin' and Drivin'. Yes. There's like a really sweet story in the oral history about the Cry- Cryin' and Drivin' guy uh, really wanting to be with that band, which I never actually heard. I meant to look them up before we recorded, but um, because R.E.M. loves them. Um, I wonder if they're any good. But, um, you know, and then uh, him having dinner with Peter Buck, uh, it being a little bit awkward, and they're both being nervous because they knew they had to talk about talk about it. Yeah. The uh, the guy who ended up leaving for cry- Crying and Driving, like, went to the bathroom to psych himself up. Yeah. Uh, and came back and Peter Buck said, okay, like, I, you know, I'm just going to say it. Um, what do you think about going on tour with, you know, going doing these, like this tour with us, we're going to need you to learn how to play this instrument, and this instrument, or like, you know, bring, we need this X, Y, and Z instrument on the album. Like, do you yeah. want to do it? 
and him like just went to go psych himself up to tell Peter Buck that he quit. Oh no. Essentially. And Peter yeah. Buck was psyching himself up to ask him for to hire him. <laughs> right. And then uh, he ended up talking to Michael Snipe and Michael Snipe was like, no, it's okay. You should be with uh, crying and driving. Mm-hmm. And then he did it. And then uh, later he ran into a guy at a club and he's like, Hey, weren't you the, the roadie for REM? He's like, yeah, but I quit him to do crying and driving. He's like, that's fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't believe you did that because you know, it was such a, it's a lower paying gig. Right. Right. You know? And, uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So now Peter Peter Hostepel is uh is the new guy. Yes. So. At least for this album. It's going to be yes. kind of acrimonious. Um yeah. <laughs> in, in a little bit. Yes. Um yeah. So it was an easy time like like we said here and there um which you wouldn't expect with them uh with them changing these sounds so much. Um and they changed the sound a lot because they knew they wouldn't be touring to support this. They had decided yeah. like we're, we're just not going to do it. We're burnt out. Uh let's just write an album and just kind of be a studio band for a while. Yeah, and that that totally changes the stuff you write. Yes, and it actually it's it's worth noting that a lot of the stuff that when it does get performed uh, from this album, it does sound pretty different. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the like the shows they did do this for this are totally acoustic, and the songs don't really sound like the album versions, right? You know, because they're not touring with an orchestra. Um, <laughs> so it, it you know it made different songs. Um, they actually used the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra to do strings. Um, there's also a, a string quartet on one of their songs mm. that they used as well. Yeah. Um, on uh, yeah. So they, they uh, kind of brought in these session musicians to get this orchestral sound. Yeah. Uh, Scott Litt stayed on again, um, and they recorded this in a couple of different places. Uh, they recorded in Woodstock, New York, and Athens, and then they uh, they mixed it at uh, Paisley Park, Prince's, yes. uh, Prince's weird sex compound. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's just like the, the you know, no black lights allowed for in a 30-mile radius. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so they, they had these different names, as I mentioned, fiction is not bad. No. Um, no. and then a bunch of terrible names, uh, including cat, butt, which, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a story about that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell as well here in a second, but cat, butt imitation crab meat, Ugh. uh, last train to Disney world, love Peter and Buck, stop putting Disney world in your fucking titles. Yeah. I don't care how, like, Amer- how obsessed you are with the Americana of this use Graceland for that. <laughs> Paul Simon did it right. Like if you want that, something that fulfills that thematic purpose, you use Graceland. Um, and then uh, the return of Mumbles, which like, fuck you. <laughs> Who is Mumbles? I know Mumbles yeah. is, is Michael's name, but it sounds like a character. It sounds like a creature. It sounds like it's like Binky the Doormat. <laughs> it's like Binky the Doormat before he got a new job. <laughs> Binky shows up. Um, the, uh, <laughs> What's the story about Catbutt? I want to hear. Oh, this, this is this is really good. You'll like this. Um, so the uh, when they were rehearsing uh, for this album and kind of hanging out in Athens, their studio was right next to the Four You Out Club. And, you know, at this time, as we mentioned, Peter Buck had married the uh, lady. So they would come over to play um, mm-hmm. because they just had to roll their equipment like literally next door. Um, but they didn't want to make it a big deal, you know, so they, they did a lot of these secret shows. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. So they would come over and be like, hey, can we play? You know, and then like somebody would, you know, spot like Peter Buck carrying a 12, 12 pack or whatever, a case of beer <laughs> in and they'd know what was up. But a lot of times it, uh, you know, they would be to, like 75 people and it, was, it sounded super fun and great. They began to do these drunk, sloppy sets. Well, because uh, they never played under their own name, it became a rumor in Athens that uh, REM was playing under fake names. So people kept coming to the 40 Watt Club being like, you know, and they would see a band playing and they'd be like, oh, that's probably REM. And there's a <laughs> band in Athens called Cat Butt Jr. Okay. And Michael Stipe had said in interviews how much he liked the name Cat Butt. If he had made a band again, he would have called it Cat Butt. Uh, <laughs> so with this, this band, Cat Butt Jr., when they played at the 40 Watt Club, everyone thought they were secretly REM. The doorman would be like, it's not REM, you know, so I'm not giving you your money back. Like, you can come in. I'm telling you, it's not REM. You don't get your money back. And Cat Butt Jr., when they played their show, ended up with, like, the sold-out crowd. And they were a super <laughs> small band. 
because everybody who showed up thought they were a secret REM. Okay. Um, so that just kind of kept happening. Like bands kept like getting these sold out crowds because rumors would go around that REM was <laughs> oh, playing. Oh, that sucks for them. Yeah. Oh, like what a God. I mean, if, if they were able to keep them, you know, like. Right, right. I mean, like, it, it got people to give them a chance. <laughs> you know, if, if it worked out that way. But it's, it's such a like a funny story that in this town it's became these rumors like, oh man, like, did you hear like. <laughs> you know, fountains of tragedy are playing. That's probably actually REM. Like, <laughs> let's go, you know, and people go and pay their five bucks to go see this band that nobody cared about. Mm-hmm. Thinking it was secret REM. Yeah. You know. That's a, that's, that's really funny. Kappa is a terrible name for an album. Yeah. For REM. God damn it. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, and a band. Like he wanted to name it a band that, and Kappa yeah. Jr. is not a good name for a band. No, 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 it's all good. Don't <laughs> use, I don't like the word, but, uh, in anything really. Yeah. I don't know so they had a, they, you know, a tremendous amount of time um or a, a tremendous uh a tremendously terrible time there we go um naming this uh naming this album like down to where warner said hey if you do not decide right now we're gonna have to delay the album um yeah. like you are out of time and like oh, well that works as good as anything that sounds like a cute story to explain it um, yes. a little bit to me but um that's what's out there like that is well, the they- They've been mentioning messing with time before that too. Yeah, yeah. Like time was like, like I think time and memory was a potential title. They wanted to fuck around with the, the idea of time too. It wasn't like just entirely that story. Right. It just right. kind of pushed them over the edge. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't like them naming the B sharps or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so this, uh, this was really, really well received. Yeah. This album, uh, top the UK charts at number one, uh, hit the number one in the U S in May. Yeah. So So, again, like a couple of months after it came out. Yeah. Very Um, quickly. Yeah. Like two months afterwards. Uh, Eventually sold more than 10 billion copies, which is staggering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially compared to everything else. You you know, you think about these modest successes where they, where they hit number nine with the one I love or with document. And it's like, huh. And then to see this happen, um, it had to have been a huge shock for them, even more so than getting signed to, uh, you know, to Warner. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Big deal. I mean, that, that, that was their, they got advanced. Like this is a real like Warner Brothers did. You know, it was a good investment. Yes. You know, they they did a ten million dollar advance. <laughs> so this this was you know one copy for every dollar of their advance. Yes. You know. Yep. And it won a Grammy too. So they convinced the uh, the blue hairs, um, that uh, REM <laughs> these the, the these old boys from the south, um, were worth paying attention to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the blue hair is a joke about like winning a grandma. <laughs> like win, winning a grammy was that what you were joking about no i just or the blue hair is a, a like just you oh, mean oh, oh like the like, old fogies like, and the yeah, grammy yeah the old fogies is what i meant yeah oh, okay i like the idea of them winning a grammy and that being like they've got an old woman <laughs> hello joe <laughs> like, <laughs> can i come to okay yeah, yeah sure like, give me your grandfather do this um <laughs> we keep winning all these grammys and yet tibet is still not free <laughs> no, this is ridiculous i mean like they, the... <laughs> uh, yeah. you need to get out of my house um, <laughs> um, um they uh so they handle the grammy again this just sounds very much like them peter buck ever disdainful of the establishment wore pajamas to the uh um to the acceptance you know to the mm-hmm. ceremony itself and michael stipe wore a, a hat that said white house stop aids okay yep. yeah i'm way into that yep yeah like people you know it's now become this like stupid talking point about uh, whether people should, you know, uh, entertainers should use their platform right you know, for this. And it's like, I'm all in on it. Mm-hmm. Like people are just, Oh, like, you know, it just makes you seem more out of touch with people. It's like, Oh, fuck that. I don't know if you can, if you can get like an idea behind people, like that's really mm-hmm. important because yeah. the people who are going to be annoyed by that aren't reachable. No, 
you know, and your annoyance is not more important than like the actual message. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like the clothing stuff was a, was a concession. It was so he didn't have to get up there and make the, make a speech about that. He knew it was a visual thing. So like, if I'm up here, I can just thank the people who are involved in this, make, make what I'm saying about the art and make, you know, my appearance about the cause. Yeah. And that would work like that would get headlines on its own. Yeah. You know, it's smart. Yep. Um, yeah. So like we said, they were burned out on touring, but that doesn't mean they, uh, didn't go places. They stayed out of Europe for a while because this was released around the time of the start of the Gulf war. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they did start going around, they ended up doing more of these kind of acoustic shows on television and radio, um, yeah. in order to, you know, like get out there and spread the word, but just, uh, not have to hit every single town. If you go, if you go and make an, a media appearance, it's more people, you know? Yes. Yeah. So they did, you know, radio shows, these acoustic things. This is uh, in those secret shows, like, you know, Athens secret shows and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also secret shows in London are the name Bingo Handjob. Okay. That's which a pretty is, fun like, name. <laughs> like, I, hey, I was actually kind of into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bingo Handjob. Um, in, into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, when we're looking at REM around town, uh, it feels a little weird to relegate this just to like a little bullet point in here, but it's hard to know where to talk about it. This is when they did um, M- MTV's Unplugged. Yes, uh, which would be, you know, a good like uh, we'll t- maybe we'll talk about some of the unplugged stuff um, mm-hmm. for like maybe the second. Actually, that'd be a good thing for the uh, second letters column because they did unplugged and they did that revisit where they did uh, around the sun stuff. And they did a second. They came back to unplugged. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. In the uh, yeah. in the mid 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty famous set. Like, yeah. It's a pretty famous unplugged because they weren't touring mm-hmm. and because this record was such a big deal. Yeah, it was promoted as the only live REM show. Yeah, that you'd be able to see, yep. and it's good. Yeah, like it, they're in they're in fine form. <laughs> the only bummer is that the MTV asked them to do "It's the End of the World as We Know It," and so you have <laughs> Michael Stapp up there awkwardly reading off of a lyric sheet. Yeah, yeah, just like okay, MTV. <laughs> um, they did uh this movie this this guy named Wim Wenders, which like it's a good name. It's a good um, name. Yeah. At, a, at a movie called uh, "Until the End of the World," which I know almost nothing about. Yeah. Um, but R.E.M. did the song called Fretless. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wim, Wim Winters is a he's a German director who primarily does like arty drama kind of things. Mm. And he, he tends to work with indie-esque um, performers um, to do uh, to do uh, music. He got um, for one of his movies in the early 2000s, he got uh, the frontman from the Eels, Mark Oliver Everett, to mm. uh, compose the score. And a couple of Eels B-sides ended up on the uh, on the track for that. I've never seen this movie. Uh, we'll talk about Fredless when we get to the B-sides. Yeah. Um, it was an early B-side that I found. Yeah. So it was uh, you know, meaningful to me in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Buck uh, built a studio in his in his house, in his mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where he was kind of like bringing his like heroes, like, you know, people he respected in to <laughs> yeah. work. So he like worked with Billy Bragg and Rocky Erickson. We talked about that in the last episode a little bit. Um, but yeah, he just got to do it. And he was uh, just like playing around all over. Mm-hmm. Um, like would play on just about anything. Yeah. Um, and speaking of playing on just about anything, um, REM joked about the, about, uh, doing Trogs covers enough that, um, the Trogs business manager reached out and said, Hey, do you want to come and work with the Trogs, um, to mm-hmm. record an album? So like they collaborated on an album called Athens Andover and it was a bad album that didn't sell. Yeah. I've, I've not heard that. It's not, um, good. it's not good. <laughs> I, I generally kind of like the Trogs, um, and they did that. They do a cover um, in their live thing, and they do it on Unplugged of "Love Is All Around," mm-hmm. which is a good song. Yeah, um, this was the first Trogs album since like the mid '60s or something like that. Oh, so it was like way, way past their prime. Yeah, 
that's a, almost that's always a bad sign. Yeah. The um, yeah, and that's uh, you know this is kind of brief. Like a lot of the things that happen to them though, we're going to talk about when we talk about the songs because it's like them winning these Grammys and they're like you know first big breakthrough video mm-hmm. and stuff, and they're kind of international stardom. So without a tour to talk about, that section's kind of a little bit brief, uh, but there's still kind of more things that are kind of related to specific songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we're but going first to we have to get the poison out. Yeah, we have to get the poison out, uh, much like they did, maybe. I'm, I'm not going to ascribe any int- intentionality to this. So they divided the album into time side and memory side. Um, and we're going to begin the uh, song by song with a special guest. Yeah, absolutely. And it was recorded earlier. And so here it is. So before we actually talk about song by song, uh, we have a very special file underwater teenage dirtbags crossover because when my roommate and your friend Brayton Cameron one BRMC one found out <laughs> that we were doing out of time and radio song, he said, Hey Gary. And I said, do you want to do this? Thing? He said, yes. Wait, so you're saying he asked permission and you said, okay. Nope. He just said yes. When I asked him for permission, what? <laughs> um yeah no no when i asked him to do it brain was excited to do it but i think i also pushed for him to be on this because this is an inside joke between two roommates yeah, yeah. uh but yeah welcome brayton hi thanks for having me on the show i'm really excited to talk about this gem <laughs> yeah, the, the uh and because it's the teenage dirtbags crossover here's my brito homage damn that bradio song hey 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 <laughs> rents do pay 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 um, <laughs> roommates listen to the masses hey hey, hey Brayden uh, I didn't get to see you last year when I came out and you know what that makes me sad uh, ding, 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 I'm, ding, sorry. Ding, ding. I'm sorry <laughs> say what say um, <laughs> okay yeah how, how do you want to start uh First, can I can I start? Can I just start? Let me start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you guys familiar with the the website Genius.com? Of course, I have that open right now. Oh, good. So you've you've looked at the annotation about the lyric, "The world is collapsing around our ears." I turned up the radio, but I can't hear it. Uh huh. And uh, the annotation for those of you listening and not looking at your computer is: there are so many tragedies in the eyes of Stipe that he can't find any connection with the radio. (laughs) And I'm just like, I didn't think about that, about this song in particular, but it is really shitty where he's just like, I'm going to start the song by saying, man, everything sucks. But let me talk to you about how my life sucks because the radio sucks. (laughs) I mean, that's how it starts, but I, you'd be, you're doing a disservice not to have a start with, Hey, can't find nothing on the radio. Yo, Turn to that station. Turn to that station. Yes, that <laughs> you know, that station. You know, WREM. Before, before we continue, can we all verify that we're all lifetime radio listeners? Because if you're not, you have to tell me. <laughs> it's, it's in rap, like you. Yeah. <laughs> it's I in rap. <laughs> I, uh, I stopped listening to the radio pretty much when I moved out here. Uh, but I, I, whenever I go back to, to Illinois, I, I always listen to Q101 because how else am I going to hear Candlebox? <laughs> a portion of the life radio <laughs> listeners. Um, anywho, uh, so this is radio song. This is featuring KRS one, as we mentioned, Yeah. uh, the fourth single from out of time. And, uh, I always 
frequently referred to this as the most embarrassing R.E.M. song. It's it is the the nadir, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, First track on their biggest album. Right. Uh, it makes the worst impression. And I think actually Sully is the first side of this album in a really in a really weird and outsized way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because R.E.M. shouldn't do funk. They 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 they, they really ought not. Is that um, what they were going for? I like maybe it's... like the like the bass line comes across like that. And you also have that like on the on the guitar. Um, yeah. It, it's definitely funk, but then it has that like, and the the shitty thing about it is that REM ass chorus I think is not so bad. Oh yeah, like it, it, and it, uh, it it catfishes you almost like when you yeah. get that yeah. dun 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 dun, like oh this is gonna be good, like oh the world is collapsing, yeah that's great. Um, give me more of that, but then I got to the house, I walked up the stairs, yeah. I Michael crawled in rapping the bed. Is, it's like the, yeah, I woke up, I brushed my teeth. It's creative writing one hundred and one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this day like any other, except it was different. Um, I think there's a line about going to a club, and then there's like a yo ho ho. So it was like a pirate oh, themed. Oh, Brayton, that yo ho ho is one of the moments of this that I think is just like absolutely like hurts my stomach. It's like I get Houdini, like you know how Houdini died. Like yeah. it's like that happens to me. I reenact it when. <laughs> I got to the show. Hey, yo, ho, ho. Hey, go ahead. Fork- what happened to the show you did with Gary? Oh, he died. Oh, his appendix burst because uh, because he listened to R.E.M. the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Someone turned on radio song. <laughs> yeah, my appendix said no. Yo, ho, ho. Um, it, the, uh, it, it's just in KRS-One having to go like, yo, ho, ho, with <laughs> Michael Stipe just being a fucking ninny. Like, it, it, yeah. It's, it's like, amazing and like the catfishing thing can't be understated because it happens a bunch of times in the song like whenever it switches that chorus you know like that everything to show everything to hide like mm-hmm. i think that's a good part and he goes you know look into my eyes listen and then ding 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 <laughs> bing, bing, bing. hey 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 like, it just goes right back into it like hey 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 <laughs> you got thrown into a pit of skeletons and you're trying to claw out <laughs> i know that like Michael Stipe reached out to like contact KRS one and, and have him on because he enjoyed his, his work. Um, but it, it really does feel like, you know, that, you know, when you're maybe a teen and there's that, that woman, like an aunt or something who wants to be the cool aunt. And there's always like, let's have, let's do this thing. It'll be fun. And it's always like wearing a weird Dracula mask or something. And it, and it's like, it doesn't make any sense and it's not fun and it's not funny, but like you go along with it. And that's really what I feel like KRS one is doing in this entire song where he's Michael Stipe's just like, come on, it'll be fun. Go. Hey, Hey, Hey with me. Well, you say that, but what's interesting is like he sent the tape over to KRS one and KRS one was only supposed to do the Hey, Hey, Hey's yeah. KRS one just wrote and added that rap at the end on his own. You know? Yeah, and, like, and, and R.E.M. heard it like, oh, he captured the meaning entirely. Yeah. We need to add this. Yeah, and that rap, like, in four man, lines. this is on an R.E.M. album. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the genius version of it, where you look down at the lyrics, where how it, uh, how many R's it adds to radio listeners. It's <laughs> the right amount. That's exactly, it is, it is they the, captured it. Uh, what are you saying? What are you playing? <laughs> Who are you obeying? Day out and day in. Baby, 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 baby. That stuff's driving me crazy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it it makes sense in like this weird way that like Michael Stipe is getting all super green PC, yeah. and KRS One is all about you know PSAs and and kind of uh, edutainment and like kind of activism <laughs> through so, his lyrics, yeah, yeah, and stuff. 
<laughs> Sorry, I just it was very strange in uh, in the biographies that I read them saying like ed- educational entertainment or quotes edutainment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. like oh. Harris one invented it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's really rough, and it but it really does like REM has had a couple of songs with rap stars. I mean, this one and then the Outsiders with Q Tip, and it's like, but they don't. It doesn't feel like they know what to do, and like you said. They just sent them a tape, and he he wrote his own rap afterwards. Um, yeah, there wasn't even supposed to do it, and the, and the outsiders in particular, like uh, as well with this song, like the song literally ends at one point, and mm-hmm. then there's a rap part after it. Yeah, <laughs> just, just add in the hey hey hey, uh, it catfishes you into thinking it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's like do the Donkey Kong. <laughs> it's actually a lot like that. Um, Very similar. I haven't listened to the outsiders in a long time. Like I, I had been saving my around the sun revisit for the, the show. Yeah. There's only um, so much, only so much time I can, <laughs> I can give to that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, does Michael Stipe rap in the outsiders? No, no, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward REM song. And then the song fades out, stops okay. for like a couple of beats and then fades back in and Q-tip raps. And then it fades back out and Q-tip's amazing. Yeah. But mm. it's, it really feels like, we wrote a song. Something's not right about it. What should we do? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and someone was like, "Hey, Q-Tip came over to play some PlayStation. He, you want him on on it?" <laughs> Q-Tip and Mills are are old friends. Yeah. <laughs> the um, see, because that's the I think that's the thing that makes us embarrassing. KRS-One himself, I think, is also fine. Right. Yeah. Like as a guy, like their KRS-One songs are fine. Like I respect what that guy does. He's got a very charismatic smile. Yeah. Um, but the part of this that makes it the most embarrassing R.E.M. song is Michael Stipe rapping. Absolutely. Yeah. Like just the, you know, and his kind of vocal intonations uh, and the video, like you've seen the video, right, Brayton? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. His his face that he makes. Yeah. During it, like super Michael Stipe serious face. Yeah. And, and his like, I'm very uncomfortably trying to dance to an upbeat song right now. Yeah, and it's also Michael Stipe with his um, Amish person hair from, uh, oh, from Losing My Religion. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it looks so bizarre in, uh, like, in that context. And like the, the shitty thing is like the visual gimmick from that video is pretty cool. Like how they're yeah. projecting faces and doing like those really quick cuts onto those onto those cue cards and stuff. Like yeah. that is, I think that is neat and inventive. I just wish it was paired with a better song. Yeah. 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 Um, there's not much to say about, uh, how much I dislike it. Cause I feel like it's a disingenuous kind of like empty lyrically, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning. And then, you know, when you get to the end, uh, the KRS one rap is as interesting and point, you know, maybe at the time provocative as it is, it just ends up being incorrect where it's like, well, you know, it wasn't actually the radio's fault. It was racism. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you find yourself writing music about music, that is a that is a precarious line to walk. I think, like a, and especially oh, totally. writing about the industry itself. Like, ah, uh, no, it's like I understand. You know, Michael Stipe was like, "Oh, this song is misunderstood." I would hope that people would have a good enough sense of humor to know that I'm taking the piss out of everybody, including myself. But like, it's still there. It's yeah. still yeah. the album that contained. You know, it's an album that sold 10 million copies, and people had to listen to this before they got to the song they bought that album for. Which is country people, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, and people had to be like, you know, if you tell somebody this happened in our Slack, where it's like, man, you know, REM's really good. And they're like, what album should I start with? 
someone could reasonably say like out of time because out of time is a really good record. Yeah. Yeah. But when you start it, it's such a terrible first impression. Like Mm -hmm. it's not even like just like a grower, right? Like, you know, something like I feel like feeling gravity's pull or drive is like a challenging song. It's not immediately catchy, you know? Um, and that's, so it's a grower, like it's still a good song, but they're growers. This isn't a grower or a shower. Like this is just like a national embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a bummer to me. It's just, I just, I can't, I can't do it. So if if people who are listening to this, if you like radio song and like, like it, please tell me why. Like when we do that letter section, I want to hear your most spirited defenses of radio song (laughs) and not just like the chorus is good because I'm with you there. Like the chorus, actually the part that sounds like REM is good. (laughs) (sighs) Don't rap Stipe. Please don't. No, don't. Of all people, <laughs> like of all people, yeah. Do we have any final before we end this miniature crossover of teenage dirtbags? <laughs> do we do we have any other final wrap up thoughts about radio song? Wrap up song with an R. Yeah, rap, with an R. Rap. It's the rap rap featuring <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and KRS One. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not really. It's just like. It really, I feel like it was an underutilization of of KRS-One. I think if the two of them had actually done a collaboration as opposed to more of a like, hey, do what you want with this, it probably would have ended up being a better, more sincere song than than whatever it ended up being. Uh, Also, it is kind of, it does fall into that like sort of Blondie doing Rapture, like, hey, we're a white band trying to get kids to listen to rap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. And um, that's, that's never going to be okay. It feels weirdly culturally appropriative, even if it's like Harris one was totally down with it and they could be friends and stuff. Like yeah. Yeah. it just, it feels uh, like there's borrowing cultural capital, mm-hmm. you know? No, sir. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. D- dislike immensely. We're song of the album. Like we don't even need, this can be disqualified when we do our first. And oh worst. yeah. This is jettisoned. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, we're, we're taking it out because it's a, uh, what's the word in statistics? Oh, it's an uh, outlier. Yeah, it's an outlier. This has to be jettisoned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I've yeah. got a final thought. I think people should listen to Teenage Dirtbags. Aw. Thanks, it's a, good, it's a good and yeah. funny show. Oh, thank you. We haven't done any uh, REM videos. Why is that? that oh, yes, you that's have. Not true. Yeah, you did uh, Everybody Hurts. Oh, you're right. We did. Of course. I <laughs> like to pretend that didn't exist. <laughs> but it was a good episode. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, and uh, please listen to that. And thank you, Brayton. For joining us for this short seg. Yeah. Thank you for having me and uh, listen to me on Co- Check It Out Comrade. That's the oh, name shit, of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Braby, 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 braby. That's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Got those easy gamies. <laughs> you happen to uh, wear that? You can be a podcast listener. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where Where is KRS One's like heavy Bronx, like Super Mario Brothers accent coming from? <laughs> <laughs> like I guess he could just live there, but it just it seems so weird to me. Radio, Radio. Yeah, oh, I love man. it. Man, I don't know why that's not my my ringtone. <laughs> Radio listeners, yeah, maybe because you just don't want to get punched in public, <laughs> <laughs> or I don't want to be behind KRS One at a bank <laughs> and have that pop up and just have him turn around and it's KRS One. Be like, oh, he's like, oh, you're a fan. Like I like that song a lot too. I think it's some of my finest work, and I had to be like, oh. Goal. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. Take care, Brayton. Take care. All right. Bye. We love you. Bye. Braby, Braby, Braby. <laughs> that Brayton is driving me crazy. It makes me happy that he uh, stopped yeah. by. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
shiny happy Brayton. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah. yeah, what an embarrassment! Not Brayton. Yeah, what that's an embarrassment? All. That's all. Yeah. All right. yeah. Well, I'll let him know you said that. Okay. Cool. Um, the, uh, no. uh, yeah, it's, I, it's tempting to just talk about it more because I really feel like and and at some point, like I can see us doing a teenage dirtbags on it, just because I feel like I can just talk about that song, like yeah, forever. Like I, I just don't know. Like it's a side. It's gonna be its own episode. Yeah. You know, like the radio song episode because what, it's like what went wrong? The radio song story. I'll, I'll say this, and I didn't say this during the thing. I'm not trying to extend that 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 part of it. Um, but I forgot to say this when we were doing it. Uh, today or the day we're recording this is the day that the uh, the house passed the uh, the evil bill. Right. Um, just just you know that make it. Oh, I'm gonna need you to clarify. Yeah. Um, like, well, I just want to make sure it applied to whenever anyone was listening to okay, it. Okay. Like, yeah. You know, the evil the evil healthcare bill, the second one. Yeah, the, yeah, the more evil one, and and less evil than the next one they're going to try if this falls down in the Senate. Right. Um. So I was really bummed out and distracted. I had to like do uh, reading for this, but it was like, man, you know, like every once in a while you just get uh, confronted by the amount of evil in the world and awakens feelings of vengeance and justice in you that like, you know, you're maybe not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And watching this video, uh, cheered me up really quick <laughs> because it's really hard not to look at like this happening and just be like, oh, you guy, like just kind of like laugh about it, like it's so stupid. But it made me like it made me happy. Like it was a weird, like dumb thing, but like it worked. I was like, this is hilarious. This is yeah. so bad. You know, it put me in a good mood really fast. Oh, well, that's something. So, yeah. It's like good for that. Like it's the kind of thing that like, um, you know, it, it's so bad. It's it's not so bad. It's good. It's so bad. It's noteworthy that like, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. So like this pairing, like, you know, like the, the, the this first side of the album, I think, is actually really uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> it really only has one, one one high point. This pairing, going from radio song into losing my religion, they couldn't be any more different. But it's a oh, little yeah. bit ridiculous because here is this song about like, hey, there's nothing on the radio that is any good, and it's followed up by what would become their most notable radio hit. Like that couldn't have been intentional. It really couldn't have. But that's no. the way it works out. And like, well, you know, the so- facts afterwards tell a story. It, it does afterwards. The thing that like it is not uh, I don't think it is within the REM camp an idea that radio song is a national embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I think that's just us. So <laughs> like and, and there could be other people like none of the books I read like talked about it. You know, I, I feel like us thinking that's the worst song ever, you know, so they didn't do that intentionally because it wasn't it's not meta. <laughs> right. You know, it's just like they did that because they liked radio song. And they thought it was a really good fun song to start an album with. Yeah. You know, but really the album should have started with losing my religion. And I think that actually it would have been a really great opening track. Like just, uh, cause this is a, you know, it's not my favorite REM song. I think that like, if you set, take a step back and look at it though, mm-hmm. like I think this is, this is pretty masterpiece status. Yeah. Like this, this feels universal in a way that, uh, I don't know if they've done this before. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, and it was like this, this bore out as yeah. far as the reception, but like, this just feels like a song that's always been. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, it, it I, I forget who said this. It was it was somebody who was talking about, you know, com, you know, composing music and just like there there are certain songs that always would have been like the, mm-hmm. just like it took somebody to find it. It was it, like it, it was always out there. Like this is a magical combination of yeah, you know, of of, of these elements that had to have happened. It's uh, it's it's like how they they definitely like Louis Louis would have gotten gotten written. Yes. Like that chord progression, you know, it got you done a bunch of times. It's like, it's pretty much the chorus more than a feeling uh-huh. like it, it, it would have been everywhere, you know? Right. But it just, it just feels elemental in a way that like is kind of special that 
is harmed by kind of oversaturation. Oh yeah. And like, you, you just, know? uh, you kind of, uh, sabotage it, you know, like you hear it and think, oh, that's just losing my religion. And the entire thing is like summed up into one, into one little thought and then discarded. Yeah. And, and that ends up actually being like kind of a statement on it. The fact that you can do that, that it just kind of becomes like, oh, this is a, you know, this is a cliche because this song did it, <laughs> but this feels like, so, you know, overdone Yeah, because it just feels right. Yeah. Well, TV tropes would call that the sign. The uh, Seinfeld isn't funny. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, this trope agrees. The, um, so yeah, this, this was, uh, you know, the first single, um, the label didn't think so. The label was like, listen, you're wild heaven. And REM was like, no, no, no. Trust us. <laughs> losing my religion yes uh and it, it came out and it just worked yeah it's huge it's, so it feels ridiculous to talk about like hey uh <laughs> i can't get no satisfaction that's a pretty good song isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like here you know we're, we're, we're talking about like air air is necessary isn't it but like yeah. the, the like the there are decisions that were made in, in in putting this together like the fact that it opens with that uh mandolin um mm-hmm. as clear and as, um, you know, in as, as strident as it is, um, you know, this isn't the first time that Peter Buck has, you know, used a mandolin on, on, on an R.E.M. song. But this is the most front and center uh, that it's ever been. And I kind of have a little bit of a theory that this stuck out on the radio, especially on pop radio, because mandolins are not used there very often. Right. That's more of like a yeah, like a country kind of thing. And it's almost always uh, like a like a backing. Um, you know, a backing instrument, but here it is out there at the start. I think that literally more people heard this just because it's more audible when you hear it in public places. Because of the actual, like, music, the <laughs> yeah, 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 because of because of the actual uh, audio qualities of the uh, of the mandolin. I think that got people to pay more attention to it. Like that, that could definitely be the case. Like as far as where I thought you were going with that was that it was uh, it stood out more. Because it was unusual because mm-hmm. that, that like tends to work any gains you get with that. You can lose. Yeah. That's a huge risk, you know, yeah. like nobody has accordion on radio songs, but like, <laughs> you know, like you could, you know, that doesn't mean somebody's going to like it, but I think it, it, you might be onto something as far as just like literally the, the plate, you know, the place it is in the EQ, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, kind of standing out. Yeah. There was, um, uh, this is, I we're recording this between, I'm going to see Magnac Fields two nights in a row where he's doing his latest album nice. and the violin that they're playing is this weird 1900 violin that doesn't have, uh, that's attached to a horn. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it takes the vibrations of the string and positions it through a horn. It's really weird. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, Steve Amaro is talking about, he says advantages over the traditional violin include volume and directionality. It's not a better tone. It's just like loud and you can aim it. Um, and yeah, that, that's like, you know, so it just has that kind of like, oh, this is loud and will take up a sonic space that like yeah. a guitar would, um, everything fires here though. So like, mm-hmm. The composition is super standard REM. Like they threw out that like there's no more REM songs. Like, yeah, no, like this, this like this is straight like up like like D G A minor. <laughs> like, yeah, like never play an A when you can play an A minor. If oh you're yeah, REM. Oh, come on. Like you know, and and that's good. Uh, I will a I will permit you an A sus too. I will permit yeah. you an A sus too. <laughs> one. Um, yeah, you know, and and get some get some E minors. Never play an E if you can play an E minor. You know, right. it's like. The A minor, E minor, like those chords sound so good together. Oh, they're so there's fun a reason to do why, on like, guitar. Ninety <laughs> percent of REM songs are those chords. Yeah, like they're so good together. And C, just like you can do so much with A minor, E minor, and C and G, <laughs> and it just sounds so good. Yeah. Um. So it, it's very much that. Um. But part of the reason I think that it's like noteworthy, it doesn't just sound like a traditional REM song, is the uh the lyrics and kind of like 
vocal performance, mm-hmm. which is some of Stipe's best like vocal performance. Oh like gosh. the lyrics are really great, yeah. but he's just singing really well, uh, really clearly in like a, a big, like non obnoxious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's not, it's not, it doesn't sound like operatic and like shitty American idol. Right. Right. You know, it still um, like has a human quality to his voice, but yeah. he's it's a good performance. It's it's an incredibly good performance because you can hear him gesturing. I, I don't know, like so this could just be the video. I hear this and I can picture the motions. I can picture like him putting his back into it quite literally mm-hmm. as he's going about it. And like Michael Stepp has always been an incredibly physical singer when he performs, you know. But like this, mm-hmm. you know, it just it it feels like an acting job more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's it, it's tremendous and like it's not just like a straight up um you know like we're going to hit this at the same note at the same level of intensity. You know, we talked last episode about how great, you know, like how great those rhetorical devices are, but like that consider this, consider this. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of break just those small little repetitions and the the variations and emphasis. Um hit everything and drive it home um in in, in a particularly intense way. It's uh, it's self or it's self referential and self canceling constantly too. Mm-hmm. Like oh no, I've said too much. Um, is like a really universal thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's referring to the re- re- you know preceding lines, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it keeps kind of revising itself as it goes. Yeah, in a way that's really really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so to me, you know, as as somebody who this would be laser guided toward, this um kind of an anthem about insecurity and this anthem about. Uh, just kind of like being discontent uh, was like, uh, like I said, laser guided toward me. Like this was my love song of jail for proof rock before I was aware of that poem, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like that, like this was an emotional rubric for me that matched the, you know, me as a teenager in a huge, huge way. Yeah. He, uh, Stipe says it is like a rewrite of every breath you take, but I don't like, I don't get that from it. No, no. You know, death of the author. Like it doesn't matter what he thinks it is. Like, I don't get that from it at all. It feels like similar to what I think you're reading it as is like, as this kind of insecure or like, you know, what it feels like to uh, to be unsure of a social interaction and unsure, like be in your own head and not in someone else's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like trying to keep up with you. Like, I thought I heard you laugh. Like, I, you know, I have said too much. I've said I've not said enough. Like, yeah. try, you know, there's cry, distance in your try. eyes. Like he's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's very specifically towards one other person and about that kind of connection uh, between people. And yeah. like, uh. I think I thought I saw you try is such a brutal line. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and it's delivered, like, it's not just a brutal line because he's had brutal lines before, but it's mm-hmm. delivered like musically at the exact place it needs to be in the song to have the most impact. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that line wouldn't work as well if it's in the middle of the second verse two, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to ending every chorus with it. Yeah. Um, it's just, I like, it's, it's really, really impressive to me. Yeah. I'm actually getting emotional, like talking about this <laughs> because like, it's, you know, you, you, you hear it. And again, like, like I said, it, it, everything is summarized up to it, but like, it is, it, it is this perfectly constructed, um, thing about obsession. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like it just, I, it's, it still doesn't feel like obsession to me. It feels like yeah. communication to me. Yeah. I just, uh, like, like, yeah, like, like obsession with wanting it to be better, you know, like with another person, with a gap between you and somebody else. Like, but very specifically, like self-focused. Yes. You know, so it's not about like every breath you take is about, and there's a couple lines that sound a little bit every breath you take you to me, mm-hmm. but like, that's about like you, the object. Mm-hmm. This is about, or, or you know, not oh, you, the, yeah, you like, the subject. Yeah. Like, like yeah. this is, this is so inward turning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so to where that's what makes it feel yeah. good and universal to me, because this was, yeah. if this was a shitty love song about quote unquote you. Yeah. Oh no. Like it wouldn't work, Absolutely. but it's so self-reflective. And I think that's what 
is what what's good about it. It's yeah. all about self doubt. Yeah, like I thought, I thought that, I thought that. <laughs> you know, yeah, like you're, nothing. You're everything just, you're just unsure of it. Yeah. So like, yeah. I, I used obsession when I probably should have said anxiety. Yeah, you know, which are which is, are re- a... re- related emotional kind of. They're, they're they have they have a similar emotional root. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It is is just everything is kind of qualified and unsure and it has that conversational style mm-hmm. to it. And like what how good of an opening is just oh life like as a thing. <laughs> Especially like, the way like, it delivers it too. It delivers it too. Yeah. Like 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 that 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 is such a powerful opening that in non English speaking countries, that's what this song is known as. Yeah. You know, it is yeah. it, it is oh life. <laughs> they they had a they had a DJ friend and who was in the Middle East and they're like, why is nobody like requesting our song or whatever? Uh when they're talking to her, they're like, oh they do, they just call it oh life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, specifically, it's just because it's, it's so it's really universal. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, the main thing I can come back to the song is it just like feels like, oh, like the song came with the universe, <laughs> you know, it's part of the pack in. Yeah, it, it, you, get, you get it with Super Sack Boy Racing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I forget, I forget what I was going to going to say. Like, I don't know that I can heap it. it I don't know if I can heap too much praise, but I don't know if it would be worth doing more. Uh, yeah. On let's top talk of about it. the video. Yeah. Let's talk about the video. So this is directed by Tarsum, uh, the director of one of my favorite movies, actually, uh, The Fall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Just Tarsum. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, who is a uh, like, I don't I don't love The Fall, actually. Like, I, I think that it's not a very good movie it's visually amazing yeah yeah and i think it works really well in video because of that yeah that that's uh, my that, that's the one of the reasons why i like it it's not a tremendous film but like as a sensory experience it is um yeah second to none yeah yeah it, it, it is it is really it's something yeah you know and i think that that just comes across so well in video mm-hmm. um and this is the first i think great rem video yeah like yeah. i like the video for it's the end of worlds we know it a lot um and it's really good i think this is great yeah um, and it's just, uh, because it is uh, one, it's just kind of like, um, competently done. Oh yeah. You know, like the cuts and everything that are being made in this just feel less amateurish and like willy nilly. Yeah. They feel more intentional yeah. than Michael Stipe saying, Hey, I want to cram all these images into this. Yeah. Like it ju- let's just do some, some montage theory and just kind of put things next to each other and just kind of cut randomly. Like all these cuts feel like they're just to the rhythm better. Like it just kind of plays yeah. the, the image better. Yep. They're mo- they're, motiv- uh, they're motivated better by character motions, um, yes. which is difficult to do because most of everything here is, is done in tableau. Like yeah. there's very little actual action. It is entirely done in expression and shifting eye lines. Yes. Um, and they kind of, it's, it sets up the band all dressed up like they're from the village and they're about <laughs> to find out the secret of the village. Yeah. And then the, uh, there's three <laughs> other, how it, like they, they look so in place as members of the village, like each and every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very villagey. Like yeah. it's, you know, and, um, and then three, these three other little kind of tableaus that are going on, these little situations, yeah. um, that are all kind of vaguely like Icarus themed. Yeah. Uh, it feels like like in the crucifixion and Icarus mm-hmm. are the two things I get from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, incredibly striking, um, let's just say like makeup and, um, kind of uh, costume design going on mm-hmm. here. Props like the, like that set of wings that they, that yeah. they make to replace the other ones that fall off on the old guy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> the, uh, it's the... kind of bloodborne. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 Like, I mean, it is like, it's, you know, parts of it are. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, it's full of like, just the, the lighting and makeup and stuff. Like it's full of beautiful humans. Yeah. Like the way it's like the, 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 uh, black kid with the blonde hair and the angel wings. Like, mm-hmm. it's like. You know, I'm not generally attracted to men, mm-hmm. but I can just be like, that's a beautiful human. Like that is a, yeah. that is a beautiful specimen. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people who are just like, that is a beautiful person. Yeah. And you like, know? like it's playing with andro- like androgyny in a, in a really cool way. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, a- again, just you know, sex and gender are kind of out the window. You have this, you know, person of a person of ambiguous sex who's kind of crucified, who has the arrows, you know, kind of cartoonishly mm-hmm. sticking out of them. You know, like ambiguous sex, ambiguous race, um, kind of ambiguous age. You know, in yeah. this, in, in, like in this, you know, kind of horrible situation. Um, yeah, it's it just uh, and, and the colors in the video as well. Like everything is done um, in this uh, kind of like desaturated, um, you know, it's desaturated without actually being like treated. Right. It is it is just the like the, the choice in lighting and the choice in colors. Yeah. 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 Which is just like, you know, kind of expertly done, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, this was their biggest video as well. This won tons of awards. Yeah. Um, six uh, VMAs. <laughs> uh, every time Michael Stipe came on stage, he wore a slow a T-shirt with a different slogan. Right. Uh, which again, doing the same thing you did with the uh, the hat. Mm-hmm. Or rainforest, love knows no color. Wear a condom. Choice. Alternative energy. Now the right to vote. Handgun control. Remember when like wear a condom was was like a radical thing you'd have to say. <laughs> it's like uh, their whole songs about it. Like it was yeah. just like that was a thing. You know. Yeah. Um, that's kind of weird. Um, we should also mention uh, that this was uh, banned in Ireland because the idea was that it was anti-Catholic because of the imagery mm. and because of the name. And the name does not refer to religion. No, it's no. a you know for people this is a, a you know this is the Doki Doki Panic of REM trivia backwards. <laughs> right. But like it is a uh, losing my religion is a southern expression for like at your wit's end. Yeah. Um, nobody believed Michael Stipe. Like nobody in the band really believed it until they met um, uh, somebody in uh, New Orleans. I think uh, uh, like 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 an older person was like, oh, I haven't heard somebody say that since the twenties. Yeah, it's like just literally like I'm at my wits end. Like I'm so exasperated that I I will drop all all pretenses of being, you know, a religious God fearing person because I need to cut me a switch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm un- unmentionably fresh. I'm a mensch. So, yeah. So like really, really good song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, moving on to like what I, I agree is an uneven uh, side, even though there are things I like about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, low, which uh, this got dusted off a lot during the previous tour. Yes. Um, yeah, this is also yeah. one of the first ones they completed because it had been done been done live so much. Um, I don't much care for low, actually. Wait. What's that? I, I I said hmm. Oh, <laughs> I kind of kind of surprised. It seemed like something that you would like. Nah, it's just uh, it's it's way too low energy for me. Um, like just uh, the, the... fascinating. I <laughs> will do the show long enough, and I'll understand where the line is, man. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. <laughs> really, <laughs> you like drive your favorite REM song? Like, oh, it's one of them. I, re- I really, I really yeah. enjoy live, but or dri- sorry, drive. Um, well, but... lightning crashes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, don't, don't hold that misspeaking against me. <laughs> no, um, I really enjoy drive, but I think that drive has a lot more going on than this one does. For the majority of low, it is um, just muted guitar and um, Michael Stipe uh, uh, kind of sing talking and not really mm-hmm. saying that much interesting to me, actually. Um, and when it does break out, I don't think it breaks out enough. I, I like I'm I'm almost there. The uh, the part that uh, where it does break out during that bridge, I think that justifies a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't I don't absolutely love the song. I just expected it to be something I didn't like and you, you liked more. <laughs> you're um, bracing yourself for it. Yeah. Do you call me a racist for your song twix? No, no. You're bracing oh. yourself for it. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're a racist for your song twix. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, no. did you hear how much I made, uh, try to say that I didn't dislike radio song because KRS one, <laughs> um, to me that, uh, the part of this where it breaks out, uh, like you and me, we know about time. Mm-hmm. Like we know about like that part. That's, I think it's a really good couplet. And I like that section a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, that kind of conversational, uh, thing. Uh, and this, you know, this is this dark 
you know, like super dark love song mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the idea being here is just kind of like it's, it's, it's over, you know, this kind of thing. And yeah, just yeah. like that kind of resignation, I think you can feel mm-hmm. uh, in all of it. I think that it is not, I mean, that's, it's my golden watch world word, but I don't think it's quite dynamic enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's for that, that bridge that I kind of like that the song lives or dies for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked this better when they did it with a uh, crush with eyeliner. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I like that song too. Yeah. Um, they, they feel pretty different to me though. Oh. Um, yeah. um, near wild heaven. So Mike Mills is getting lead songs now. Yeah. Uh, I, and yay. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a good song. Like this, this feels like, um, it's distinctly throwaway. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't feel like a song that is, uh, you know, consequential. Yeah. Like of the two Mike Mills joints here, um, I like Texarkana a lot more. It actually might be, might be my favorite song on the album outside of the singles. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I like Texarkana an, 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 an awful lot. Um, this, however, is just incredibly pleasant. You know, it does feel throwaway and also throwback. It's very 60s. It's, it's got a Beach Boys kind of, kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the, the, the idea. Yeah. Um, you know, that was uh, intentional when they, when they set out to make it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's Mills and type kind of work together and this, and they kind of do this, this back and forth mm-hmm. because, uh, Michael type sings a lot during the chorus, yeah. uh, which is kind of cool round, mm-hmm. um, thing to it. Yeah. That's a trick um, they do a lot on this album. And I generally enjoy when they, when, when, when they trade off lines like that. Um, I think the song is, is very sweet. Um, I think it is lyrically really vapid mm-hmm. and I think, almost everything Mike Mills writes is very lyrically vapid. Hmm. Like I think Texarkana is really vapid. Oh. Like I like that song a lot, but it just that sounds like pop fluff up to me. Like they, they feel like cliches. This feels like cliches too. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I don't care about that because it's not, you know, that's not my driving force. Like musically, mm-hmm. I think this is really catchy and good. Yeah. Um, it's weird that it was a single because it's hard for me. Like Mike Mills has that weird property to his voice when he's a lead. Yeah. Well, think, also like the way they produce them as well. Yeah. Is, is they uh, like we, we talked about this uh, during Superman, but like they they make him a ghost. Um, it's, you know, especially here and a little bit in Texarkana, like it just sounds like they have mixed him and treated him like he is like the background vocals with no with no lead. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's actually uh, we didn't talk about this in production. But there's an interesting thing they did with the when they made this album in general which was uh, recorded all the instruments uh, analog and the vocals digitally. Right. Um, usually do the opposite of that, but they, they, they switched it because the, the idea was that Michael Sipes voice is warm enough to kind of cut through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I think that maybe Mike Mills, because of that treatment, because it is that digital effect just sounds very digital. Yeah. Very, you know, uh, maybe it's been substantial. Yeah. So that, that's kind of part of what adds to it, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's still, this is still a very good song. Mm-hmm. Um, the video is, is pretty boring. Yeah, it's just them having fun around town. Yeah, <laughs> goofing. Um, they're actually like kind of promo videos for most of these things um, on something called This Film Is On. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I didn't send you copies of all those because they were part of like this compilation and a lot of them are, it's very similar to uh, the Reckoning one. Yeah, yeah. The Left of Reckoning one where it's just kind of like they're not, they're not like you know losing my religion they're yeah like, like it, it was ju- it was like people that michael stipe had worked with with c100 uh his uh his video company and just kind of like hey why don't you direct these clips um in the books that i write it was a little bit almost like a credibility play because mm. having made this gigantic high production value incredible video with losing my religion like going smaller was a way for them to you know retain a little bit and also like throw some bones to people that michael stipe had worked with so that's where yeah. some of those uh some of those promos came from for this one yeah who who have less resources and also 
like a guy maybe not as talented. Yeah, you yeah know? sensibilities that are not in line <laughs> with uh, making tremendously good music videos for REM. Yeah, like it, it's fine. It just it just feels like art school college stuff. You know, like what if some people did some things? You know, it's it, it, I don't know. There's I don't think there's a lot to a lot of those kind of videos. Wait a minute, the fire hydrant has opened up. Everything has changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the side ends with Endgame, mm-hmm. um, which is a also very slight yeah. uh, song, kind of musically, and just has a, you know la la la's for the lyrics. Yeah. Um, that I think is actually very pretty. Yeah, it's 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 good. They initially um, titled it like end end credit sequence or something like that. Like this was just written as a flight of fancy. Like oh, this this chord produ- this chord progression sounds like it would play over a movie's credits. Mm-hmm. And so they, they 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 filled it out. Like Michael Stipe, I think maybe trying to get 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 away with not doing work was like, uh, you know, some songs they just don't need lyrics. They would get in the way. This one, I, I think the like the la la la's are good though. Yeah, they're, like they, it, they, yeah, they're really good. Yeah, yeah. If it didn't have the la la la's, I think it would the song would suffer for it. Um, it's still it's still very pretty, and it has that. It's you know they bring in a string quartet for this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story about Michael Stipe being very excited because the fugal horn player they bring in worked with Henry Mancini. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like kind of cute, you know, yeah, um, geeking out about Henry Mancini. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, ooh, that's one of my favorite fugue bo- like fugle horn players. <laughs> I keep seeing him on the corner of Fugue Monthly, like Fugle Beat. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty, pretty cute. Yeah. Um, switching over to the memory side, uh, which I think so. This is this is something that breaks the uh, breaks the trend. When has an REM album ever had a stronger back half than first half? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I would agree with that, even though like I, you know, I like low probably a little bit more than you do. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, and I like near wild heaven and Endgame, but they're yeah. a little bit middling. Yeah. They're yeah. good songs, but like they're bees. Yeah. And they're attached to the, the anchor that is radio song. <laughs> yeah. And then radio song does, it does leave a bad impression. Yeah. Um, this album, if you, if you switch, if you just took radio song out, then mm-hmm. this the first side would only be four songs that wouldn't work. Right. But you could do an arrangement of this that puts something from the second side and made like, made this almost equitable. Yeah. You know, it's a radio song is going to sink any average. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the memory side opens up with uh, with shiny, happy people. That's an infamous R.E.M. song. <laughs> infamous. Whereas radio song should be infamous. Yeah. People are just like, oh, man, shiny, happy people. So annoying. I'm like, baby, 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 you're driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like shiny, happy people an awful lot. Yeah, I don't mind it like that yeah. much. I mean, I, it's it's overplayed. I, out on it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that it stands up to being overplayed or oversaturated uh, quite as well as Losing My Religion does. Um, just because it is um, inc- <laughs> like it's uncut is 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 the is the problem. Like it, it hits yeah. you with its full force of of what it is doing. And like Stand, it was it was designed with an intention, right? Yeah, the idea was just like you know how stupid and how kind of goofy can we make this? You know, <laughs> yeah. like. Um, and, and the, the band members like bottom, like when they talk about this, they keep going back and forth and just like, you know, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. This is fine. Um, you know, this is kind of, it's, it's good, but I wouldn't want it played at my funeral, like mm-hmm. all these things. And I just want them to like relax a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like it's again, pop music is hard. It's okay to make it. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a weird thing though, because it's not like stand, it kind of dips into that. Like, even if it is kind of ironic, it doesn't like it's musically the production matches the lyrics mm-hmm. too much for it to be to feel ironic. Mm-hmm. Like specifically having that uh, kind of that waltz in the beginning and then that post chorus is like do 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 like mm-hmm. kind of break. Yeah, is yeah. just so like it's so musically 
non-ironic. It's like mm. musically sincere in a weird way. Yeah. It's it's incredibly earnest. And whenever Michael Stipe isn't calling this an abortion, he is coming yes. around saying the worst thing that somebody could do was ascribe any kind of cynicism to this. Like yeah. he, you know, he heard Peter Buck's, you know, guitar lick the da 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 da. He's like, oh, that like that is ridiculously happy. And like mm-hmm. he's talked about how, you know, it's easy to write a sad song. It's actually really hard to write a happy song because it's hard to be happy, you know? Yeah. And so and like he has written he, this and he like, it, it is entirely genuine. And he, he said that like, it's even designed kind of like sing along would be happy because it has all those like long E sounds. Mm-hmm. So like when you sing it, you kind of naturally smile, like your face kind of makes, mm-hmm. you know, e, like you kind of smile to make that sound Yeah, even, you know, which is kind of sweet. Um, yeah, I, I think it is played out. It's like, it is a fine song. Mm-hmm. I think that when we, you know, if you compare it to losing my religion you say it doesn't, or, you know, we say like, I'm not disagreeing with you mm-hmm. that it doesn't, um, stand the overplay test as much. It's because it's not a masterpiece, right? You know, it, it's a perfectly functional kind of goofy song. There's mm-hmm. a place for that in people's kind of canons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it doesn't have those kind of staying power to, to yeah. work with the exposure that it got. Yeah. Um, the, the So I think something that happens when people talk about this or think about it um, is that the chorus gets in the way of the verses a little bit. Yeah. I love I the verses. True. I think that they actually do have a little bit of melancholy to them in a way that, you know, happiness does, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and that the kind of like the descending chord over like the gold and silver shine mm-hmm. part is really nice. Like there are like there are moments of like kind of beauty. Yeah. And this. Um, and I like the way that the uh, the lyrics are split up as well. Yes. So I like the or the, the song, the singing rather. Mm-hmm. So I like that, uh, you know, it's Michael Stipe. And then during the chorus, uh, they kind of take turns with uh, Mike Mills is there, of course, mm-hmm. smiling politely in the background. <laughs> but then we also have uh, Kate Pearson mm-hmm. uh, from the B-52s. And it's yeah. their first collaboration, which is kind of weird. Uh, it's uh, the first female vocalist on an R.E.M. song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it's great. great. <laughs> I, love, I love Kate Pearson. Yeah. Like, um, like, she's super fun in the video as well. Um, mm-hmm. And her uh, her harmonies uh, when she's singing along the verses are really great as well. Like she, she has a great it, voice. Yeah, she, she's not just um, she's not just present in the in the choruses. She's really she's a great singer because she can do those harmonies and mix in perfectly. And then when she takes the lead, her voice is so powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's something like Neko Case can do as well. Yes. So, like I think it's just like really really impressive. Like you mm-hmm. are a great backup singer and a great lead singer. Yeah. And the, those are different skills. Yeah, those are completely different skills. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Mike Mills is maybe not a great lead singer. Yeah. Like I end up liking Mike Mills lead songs and I like it when my boy gets a bone, but it's, <laughs> you know, they do sound kind of weird. Yeah. You know, there is that inhuman quality. So it, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a different thing. Yeah. Um, um belong is another old song. Are we going to talk about the video? Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. we did. <laughs> the, video. <laughs> the video that begins like in, in my head, that weird waltz is powered by this old man on the, uh, on, on the bike. <laughs> No. <laughs> because um, it only ever like you only ever see him um powering this mural which was uh drawn by grade schoolers um right. <laughs> when, when he's pedaling his bike and just just doing silly dances around it and michael Sipe is dressed like oh. like a batman he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's ready for the floor he's, <laughs> he's gonna kill the members of hot chip like it is it's no good yeah that backwards hat it would, it would, nope. you could sell it without the backwards hat yeah, he well, he's going bald. Yep. Like he, this is where he's always wearing a hat. Like mm-hmm. every picture around here, and it's because he's like he doesn't go bald gracefully. No, uh, no. which people tend not to. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Um, Belong um, is a super weird song. I'm generally mm-hmm. okay with it, um, <laughs> but this is definitely an early '90s kind of thing. Like uh, REM did this, the Eels did this with like an instrumental that has somebody reading a story over top of it. 
Yeah, and then like a sung chorus, but yeah. like just you know, the sounds, not yeah. words. Um, I I love that chorus, the ho. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I actually so this is an old like I said they did this on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know earlier in this, I actually love the again uh those lyrical constructs. So we keep coming back to that, mm-hmm. but this kind of like reporter esque like delivery. You know, this third person narration of a story yeah, uh, that's happening, the kind of, you know, that I, I really think it's it's, it's good, you know, yep. um, and it's abstract. Like, we don't actually know what's happening. No, uh, uh, those creatures really jumped the barricades and have headed for the sea. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the lyrics are like super evocative, yeah. you know, and just this person uh, seeing this kind of thing and not, you know, just having a kid having stakes. You mm-hmm. know, that's a really good like shortcut to stakes without underlining it too much, Yeah, you know, and then and that just really being it. You know, the barricades can only hold for so long, you yeah. know, like it's, it's just like uh, there's this resignation to this that I think is like really kind of mm-hmm. great lyrically. Yeah. Well, it's delivered with a super flat affect. Yeah. 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 Um, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Like I like belong a lot. Yep. Also, I love that, uh, that, that, that guitar riff. The yeah. Yep. yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, Half a World Away is a gut wrenching song. <laughs> this is this is my my favorite song on the record. Oh, nice. I love Half a World Away quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think this is this is uh very, very sad, very, very sweet, and like mm-hmm. really, really relatable. Yeah. Uh in a lot of parts. So Yeah. Oh, this lonely deeps and holy way. Yeah. yeah. Really good. You know? <laughs> um and then just he does uh you know, he has like a lot of my favorite um like REM uh kind of tropes. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the weird kind of like breaking out and almost kind of cracking his voice, like when he says like the high alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of it and stuff that is just like really good. It's in a time signature. I like, yeah, you know, it's it? in this it's five, kind four? of like swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a three. It's a, like a six, four. Okay. Like it's a, it's a three, like a, some variation of three. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's this waltz, uh, but it, it, it's a fast paced waltz, which I like. Yeah. yeah. Um, um yeah. like <laughs> this feels like them taking another crack at Swan Swan Hummingbird, um, and, mm. uh, hitting it better. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely like a little bit like more earnest. Yeah, and you know, because Swan Swan Summer, Hummingbird was just kind of abstract. Yeah, well, like some of those lyrics are great, mm-hmm. but this is this is actually vulnerable. Yeah, and 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 you know, and again, and sad. My mind is um, racing you know, as it always will. Yeah, like it feels like it's like a, a you write like the kind of thing in a hotel room when you're away from like your love, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I love this song quite a bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 really good. It's it it just that 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 opening line. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and the way his voice cracks on it again, like it's, it's hard to know if he's doing that on purpose, like, if, yeah. you know, because he is what he, you know, he is a, uh, vo- voices instrument guy, like that he has to know how powerful that is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. So great work. Yeah. Good work, fellas. Um, I, I hope I didn't sound down on Texarkana. I like Texarkana <laughs> a lot. Uh, yeah, I like Texarkana a lot. Uh, musically, I think I think it's really good. I also think that like this is, you know, um, a, a Mike Mills led joint where actually he gets a chance to put some drama into the into the performance. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the instrumentation backs him up on that and kind oh, yeah. of like lifts him up and raises. It. I think that it is like super musically interesting, even if you know the the, the lyrics are a little bit insubstantial. Like I just the, it, like this is, um, I think that it's deceptively, um, deceptively good. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like I, I think that the things with the lyrics is they just feel they feel a little high schooly to me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't stop. Like, I can't not think about that. Like I would walk five hundred miles. Oh yeah, kind of thing. Like if you if you just kind of take a you know an exaggerated number yeah, and use yeah. it, it feels like a shortcut and. It backs up with the story of him, you know, it's like full of cliches, mm-hmm. you know, like I would wait all my life, like I would give it all like these are all like 
cliche kind of love song things. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's what it really is. I like the way it escalates. I like mm-hmm. how the first verse is twenty thousand, the second verse is thirty thousand, the mm-hmm. third verse is forty thousand. Like that's really cool. Yeah. You know, and I like Catch Me If I Fall as like a kind of a cliche, but like the way it's delivered is great. Yeah. And the outro with it is really great too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I just this is just one of those places like times where we, when we switch places and the yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the uh, um, lyrics are not as important to me as the uh, as, as as the songs and the, and the music or, and yeah, the, 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 the music, which both of which yeah. I think are great. Like I like the song yeah. a lot. Yep. Okay. Again, I think. Um, did this might be a good time to talk about even though it's in our roundup the demo. Yes. Did you listen to the demo on the uh, the Apple thing? Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> the one with the the second the Stipe lyric one? Because mm-hmm. there's two. There's yeah. like one where it's just the instrumentation. Yeah. We're... And then there's uh, Stipe's like original take at this, which yeah. is why it's called Tex Arcana. Right. Yeah. So Tex Arcana is never, ne- never mentioned. Um, and like this was handed over to Mills halfway through and he wrote new lyrics on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Which and it's, it's kind of fascinating. The original version, which Slipe couldn't finish, is a very different kind of song mm-hmm. that if they had developed, I also probably would have liked. Yes. You know, like this, uh, you know, this idea of like going out on the county line, like, you know, I think that like and when it goes to the chorus where he's like, you know, the county line, another county line. Like, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's shitty, but yeah, um, it was going somewhere mm-hmm. with that. And it's really cool to see that early version. It's like the uh, early version of Fall on Me. Yeah. You know, where it just, it just sounds so different with Michael Stipe singing the song. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's just it's I mean, it, that that is a peculiarity, I think, of the way that R.E.M. writes songs, you know, with the playing members kind of coming up and then the, uh, you know, even with Michael Stipe being more involved at the start, um, you know, still coming to it later and saying like, yeah, like we just need to we need something that that can go over top of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just really cool that like we got to hear that. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that has happened before you read about it. But now you actually get to hear the version like, you know. The version that was the instrumental they made that they gave to Stipe to write some lyrics, the version Stipe took a crack at it, and then the ultimate version that happened when he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like you get all three Pokemon evolutions of Tex Arcana. <laughs> yeah. like, te- like Tex Arcana evolves into Tex Arcana to you, and then like, <laughs> you know, Tex Arcana's art. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, uh, no question. It is It is amazing that that stuff is like packaged up, that, 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 that was packaged up and sold it all like yeah <laughs> i don't know they might as well have just like given us the stems <laughs> yeah yeah it's really it's really neat yeah. um uh country feedback is a great song as well yeah love like, this you, uh, like yeah, i figured i figured you'd like that see now i am like cool i'm recalibrated <laughs> you're, you're, you're cold like, are. yeah like <laughs> like my, so it's just it's so weird how strong this album ends because like my favorite would go back and forth between tex arcana and uh country feedback yeah um this is great yeah because like this is this is a nice compromise between super menacing um rem and um you know what we see elsewhere in the album i think that like this this fits in um in a way that actually like faints toward what they would do with some of automatic for the people i think so too yeah yeah and the um the lyrics to this again are uh this gets a repetition is something that i think is like needs to be you know sometimes treat Mm -hmm. um this gets away with so much just repeating like it's crazy what you could have had Mm -hmm. like as a as a as kind of a, a repeating statement like a meditation yeah you know, and just it becomes this accusation when you say it <laughs> 14 times in a row. Yeah. You know, like uh, it, it, it like it ends up like kind of transcending its simplicity, I think. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Um, It's also very strange to hear Michael Stipe curse. Oh, yeah. yeah it's very cathartic, too. Like, I'm not saying that's like uh, gratuitous. Like it, it leads in with him being fed up. It's not fuck off. It's fuck all. Yeah. And even if it's fuck off, I'd still yeah. still fine. 
because <laughs> it, it sounds like a you know a bitter breakup song yeah you know and then then and the lyrics you know it sounds like it musically and then the lyrics also support that yeah um and it's great like this is a song that is made by its production like that's why it is named that like they they have a you know a really kind of screechy guitar that is playing a country part you know that that, mm-hmm. that has you know these feedback loops built into it this was recorded the guys where they record their Christmas fan club singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, where they recorded that. Yeah. This like demo. The version that's on the album is more or less that they recorded it there. Yeah. So this was not done in the studio. They used their demo track and kind of like a taking an old page of the murmur cookbook or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, something um, we didn't talk about with belong since uh, you brought up a, a uh, um, recording trick. Um, that story was oh, recorded yeah, yeah. on a Walkman in a garage. Mm hmm. Yeah. Just because Dyke didn't sound, like it the way it really... sounded in studio. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that that uh, effect on his vocal quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the album ends with Me and Honey, um, the second Kate Pearson uh, collaboration kind of on the album. She actually has backing vocals on maybe country feedback, actually, but it's so it's super low in the mix. Yeah, yeah. So you can't hear them. But this is the, the second prominent vocal. Yes. That she did. Yeah. Um, which is uh, Michael Stipe's answer to uh, Natalie Merchant's Eat for Two. Yes. Which is our really kind of like good song about pregnancy. Yes. And him wanting to do it. What did, like, what about males? Why don't men yeah. get a chance to talk about pregnancy? <laughs> well, a couple of really Noted good MRA Michael Stipe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a sweet song, though. Like for, for, for as misguided as that premise might might be. Um, who knows if it was misguided at the time? I, I, I really don't know. Like, I think that it I think that it is um, incredibly vulnerable. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's and it's 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 direct, um, but just very like very very sweet and like that like that's you know, that's a that's a part of me is like very like, what a, what a thing to say about you know a child. Yeah, you know like and and the way again he delivers it that breaking on me, you mm-hmm. know that kind of sour or like holding that note mm-hmm. is why I love him as a lead singer. Yeah, um, yeah, this is this is real good. Yeah, um, this is a great this is a great uh, album ender because that's yeah. not something they do all the time right right um composition wise this is a single chord except for the chorus it is just a yeah. riff um i think around a d maybe i could be wrong i didn't look at the tab but like it is it is incredibly simple everything is done on the vocal over top of it and like <laughs> nobody thought this would turn into a song michael stipe just heard like a 10 second recording of this riff and was like oh i think i can do something with that mm-hmm. yeah d flat do it yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it, it's uh, it, they made a thing out of it. They make like a, a song that sounds good and full. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like I never I always forget that it's there. Yeah, like it, it weirdly feels like a, a little bit of a PS out of this album, yeah. but I think it works. Yeah. It's it just it's just kind of peeking out around country feedback, like, which again would not be a very good way to end an album. I think. No, 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 no. Yeah. that would be a little bit too much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, first and worst. Um, I'll go first because and and radio song is disqualified as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and disqualify "Losing My Religion" because I respect that more than like like yeah. I love that song, but I'm gonna take that out of the running. Yeah. Um, and then for for me, it's uh, pretty easy. So uh, "Half a World Away" uh, is my my number one, and then probably my my no go um, is probably "Shiny Happy People," which I like, but like I think I yeah. like it less. I think it's less interesting than the other ones that I think are middling. Yeah. Maybe. Um, my my first would be Texarkana for reasons mentioned before, and my and my worst would be Low. That just doesn't work mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, and I I wouldn't argue with that about Low. Yeah. Like I just you know I, that that would be that's probably my tie for like. Yeah, yeah. Know, when I There's don't like it, just kind of different different reasons. Yeah, things to recommend it, but I don't like <laughs> it either. <laughs> REM never never performed a version of Low with uh, with uh, monsters from Sesame Street. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> which they could have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, um, so there's some some kind of oddities and rarities and stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to move through these a little bit quick. Yeah. Um, some of them are, you know, we're on a little bit of a deadline, which I can extend a little bit, but just, uh, just so you know, yeah, just yeah. peeking behind the curtain, I have to go to that concert. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, they did, uh, there's a Leonard Cohen tribute album called I'm Your Fan. Um, Tons they did, of people uh, contributed to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it looks good. Like mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't actually listened to it, but it's good, a good lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought of this. Uh, you know, it's a good thing for us to do for one of our. Uh, so we do the unplugged as the kind of thing around one of our Dead Letter Office episodes. Mm-hmm. Have you heard any of the REM tribute album? Uh, no. It's called like, "Sing for Your Pig," I think. No, no, I haven't. Um, um, it's interesting, and it it has a. Uh, I think it's Peter Hostaple, uh Does a, a different, or like a very different, weird interpretation of shiny, happy people, hmm. and stuff. It's kind of neat. Um, yeah. so that, that would be a kind of a cool thing to do. Or if we did another charity bundle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. So this is them doing their contribution to a tribute album. Yes. Uh, with first we take Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Like it, it's it great. does, it doesn't sound like a Leonard Cohen song, which is kind of the point Leonard Cohen, his compositions, you know, feel like whenever people adapt them, it, uh, it never sounds like him. Yeah. I, uh, I like this version more than I like the original. Oh yeah. yeah it's, um, it's kind, kind of, of driving. It has, it has yeah. some feet to it. Yeah. Um, fretless, like we talked about with that, uh, that Wim Wenders movie, um, super spacious. Um, it is definitely very ballady, but, um, it does feel big and empty. Um, and I say that in a good way with all affection. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I like this one. No, I don't, I just don't think, I don't think it's melodically very strong. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't like that. Come and they come and they come and they come. Like I just, I don't really like the chorus to it. Uh, yeah. which, yeah, this is, this is my favorite song. I remember, like I said, this was an early B side I found. So I was mm-hmm. really excited. Yeah. To find uh, to find fretless and then just like it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, there's a demo version of this as well, so you can hear an instrumental version of it mm-hmm. early on. Um, yeah, it totally doesn't work for me. It's not a disaster or anything. It just no, no. not my fave. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about these fan club tracks. Or no, yeah, there's uh, a there's uh, yeah, a song sugar, called sugar Sugar Cane as well, yeah, yeah. Uh, which would become a B-side called Mandolin Strum um, <laughs> eventually. Uh, but this is uh, this is an early version of it that's a little bit different melodically and sounds like production from Losing My Religion to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're, they're picking up, there's a couple like little licks. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah. like some, some cores of ideas that he's like working out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but like worth listening to, but not substantial. Yeah. It's not, it's not essential. Yeah. yeah. Um, the fan club, speaking of not essential, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we got good King Wenceslas. What's going on? Gary. Yeah, we, <laughs> the, uh, good King, good King Wenceslas is one of my favorite Christmas songs because I think it's so dorky and weird. Uh-huh. Like the, the, the way it's bum, 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 bum. Like <laughs> you sing it like as if you are trying to uh, do Foley for a cartoon elephant. <laughs> 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 and then I, th- I think, and also like saying Wenceslas is very funny to me, oh, yeah. but this is just, again, I mean, it's not quite uh, as bad as the, uh, <laughs> from the last album, but it's, yeah. it's not good. Right. Um, <laughs> we should probably group group this together. There's another one um, that was released uh, around the same time, uh, maybe the next year or the year before it called Christmas griping. Oh my God. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> oh my God. What the fuck? Yeah. This is incredible. <laughs> it's like a super bad instrumental with people complaining about Christmas over top of it. And, and and just complaining about it and then just like I mean and it's it's literally just like if there's an instrumental and they just invite anybody who is in the room to say something <laughs> and so I'm just be like I can't believe I have to take my nephew to the mall I've got to go shopping like, that's the lyric like <laughs> what <laughs> what are you guys doing like oh man 
that that's rough yeah like something like this i could i could see maybe if uh it sounded like anybody was having fun well that that's part of it too is it's not funny right you know and, it, and it's meant to be is there like you know christmas songs we don't like very much uh is there anything really worse than like a comedy christmas song no oh, grandma like, got run over that, by a reindeer woof. <laughs> like that that's a bad song Ooh. like i can't do it yeah no uh, i've, I've got really yeah I've, I've got no no good that dog will not hunt my friend um they do uh they released a version uh this was also technically a christmas song they used to do or they've done live for a long time the song called ghost riders in the sky they have a version they released under the name ghost reindeer in the sky mm-hmm. uh as a ghost you know a joke yeah, kind yeah. Of thing um but that's kind of like the surf country song uh it sounds like it could be on like the new vegas soundtrack yeah uh to me yep uh let's talk about some of the good ones yes <laughs> like uh uh academy fight song uh it's a cover of mission <laughs> to burma uh fucking great Oh, like I don't know. I don't know if you're a Mission of Burma guy, but that album is is great, Cole. Yeah, I, I like, like Mission of Burma. Okay, good. Because yeah. if if you were just if like I not because like not in a purity test way, but just like in the excited to like let you learn about mm-hmm. signals, calls, and marches. Like, yeah. And people are listening. If you guys don't know signals, calls, and marches, <laughs> get on it. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know that I've ever listened to a front to back, but I really like Mission of Burma. Like that is you, like that is good punk. The uh, the singles from it, like the big songs from it, I think are like I get pumped like faster than anything. Like. This chorus, like the the chorus of Academy Fight Song, and the the REM version is really good. It's a little bit more produced, like adding the piano. Yeah, is uh, makes it a little bit more produced than the Mission of Burma version. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the chorus of this is so like brutal mm-hmm. in a way that like feels elementally punk. Yeah, uh, that I really really love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you can tell they're having fun with it. Like this is something that they. I mean, <laughs> this is during out of time. It's not something they've gotten a chance to yes, do an uh, awful lot. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it and just that uh yeah and it, it makes me like really really wish there was an rem cover if that's when i reach for my revolver because mm. uh, that oh man <laughs> oh man mission of burma is good yeah i wouldn't want to do a mission of burma podcast i could just go through that one album though oh yeah yeah It'd just be like track by track like episode one yeah that would have been uh, good. that would have made a good try this it wouldn't be my first exposure to them but it would be a a, a you know an opportunity to, to talk about it and yeah. glow yeah um, but yeah, they, they do it. They do it justice. Yeah. Um, they do a great job with it. It's sounds, it actually sounds really modern too. It doesn't sound no. dated no. at all. Um, it doesn't sound overproduced, but it's like, it's a well-produced cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, summertime. I don't care for this one bit. No, this is pretty bad. This yeah. was actually, this would have been, this isn't, um, actually a, uh, Oh no, no, this is, this is that. Never mind. Um, yeah, this is a, uh, I think this is a cover as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is really boring. Yeah. Um, Super, super slow, yeah. like organ kind of like bluesy organ track yeah. with kind of like barely, you know, like half asleep lyrics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I was it, it takes forever for lyrics to come in. It sounds like it's going to be an instrumental. Um, and yeah, it probably wouldn't have made that much of a difference if it was. No, it, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's not so bad is uh, Mike Mills uh, taking the lead on Baby Baby. Yeah. This vibrator's cover. And the reason it's not so bad. Because if you listen, if you're if you're a Mike Mills maniac, like, like uh, Gary, you and I like Mike Mills an awful lot. The video that's on YouTube for this, that person likes Mike Mills way too much. I t- too much or not or the exact right amount. <laughs> okay. Or should we aspire to be him? Okay. All right. The um, a, if you if you're a Mills maniac, <laughs> like we are, um, somebody did a fan video of this song. It's the, it's the version I could find. That's just clips of Mike Mills. Yeah. It's very sweet, and the the guy who did it. Did you catch his YouTube 
Uh, yeah, this is like something handle? that the uh, or no, his his handle. No, there. I, I saw the first comment, which was like, "Oh my gosh, the the amazing and sexy Mike Mills." Yeah, <laughs> the amazing and sexy <laughs> Mike Mills. Uh, this is from here. I'm pulling it up right now, so I can. Uh, this is from Mike Mills tribute. The uh, that YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Yep, bookmarking that because I need to see what else he has done. We'll see what else he has done. Okay, but it, it also has a lot of interviews and stuff, like huh. good Michael, you know, good uh, REM kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, and some like solo weird solo performances mm-hmm. of uh, like Mike Mills did. Yeah, but uh, it's it's very sweet. <laughs> I was uh, I was on YouTube or not YouTube. I was on uh, eBay a couple weeks ago, um, looking at l- looking for um, REM Simpson stuff, like pricing out mm-hmm. some of those figurines. Saw a poster that was you know the 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 Simpsons versions of REM, and it was signed by by Mike Mills. Mike Mills signed mm-hmm. himself on. I was like, man, eighty bucks is way too much for that, P- possibly, or is it not enough? Yeah, and I'm <laughs> or is it the exact right amount? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it. It's, it's very hard to say. That, that would that would be the like the, like that is the logical uh, intersection of two things that are very important to me, and that is the way I almost justified spending eighty dollars on a poster signed by Mike Mills. Yeah, like I mean, someday I'll meet Mike Mills. I just yeah. he, he seems he does that. He's in the baseball project. Like in the baseball project, plays at county fairs and shit. Like, yeah, we with we, we, we could meet Mike Mills. Like we yeah, could at least but... go see him live and then like watch him do. Don't go back to Rockville, mm-hmm. and then like uh, go like probably find him and drink a, like a Bud Light with him. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if, if people think we're being ironic with that we're not it's no, like, no, we're, not, we're, like we're laughing really. about it but yeah, it's, it's funny it's ridiculous but also he's really really talented and very sweet right yeah you know it is it is a genuine fandom yeah uh that i also think is funny <laughs> yep. you know it's 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 not even it's less harsh than like days of future cast because yeah. he's 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 the best musician in the band right you know and he's also like just seems like you know the most grounded too mm-hmm there's lots of things to recommend Mike Mills if you're Mike Mills agnostic. <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't talk about the song at all. It's good. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. good. It's I mean, it's a cover. Like, it's yeah. a, a, you know, kind of a love song, rock song mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing. Yep. Um, and then finally, uh, Here I Am Again, which I have no idea. what I can't make heads or tails of it. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Just super, yeah. super old timey. Yep. And that's uh, that's where we're at. Yeah. So final thoughts on like out of time, like this is really good. I just wish the first half was better or that it was kind of more evenly spread around. Yeah. I think that um, it's, I think it's very good in general, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think the first half is even like middling more than anything. If you ignore the, uh, you know, ignore I'm not going song. to ignore radio song. Yeah, the, the, I know it's a lot to ask. <laughs> um, it's a really good album. Um, I actually like, I don't know. Like we're going to, it's going to be interesting when we get to automatic for the people. Cause I think mm-hmm. automatic for the people is when this trajectory they're on that goes from green to out of time to like acoustic time and eventually resulted in them being reborn like a Phoenix and monster. Mm-hmm. Um, like when that kind of goes too far for me. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that album gets it worse. I think this is still really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not peak REM, but like B plus very good REM. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not as huge of a fan of, uh, of automatic for the people, I think as, uh, as, as generally people are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting to talk about that in five weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we're, we're looking, looking forward to that as well. uh, So, um, what can people do if they like the show? Cole? Well, um, if you like the show and you want to support us doing stuff like this, head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and consider kicking us a couple of bucks a month, um, even a dollar, uh, two, three. 
uh, whatever you can give actually does make a huge difference. You know, I spent the entire day. I like I didn't work. I only work part time, and I could dedicate an entire day to researching and writing these notes um, because of the support that we get there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, really do appreciate it. You can also tell your friends. Uh, the show is not on the bubble, but not tons of people listen to it. So mm-hmm. if you know people you think would like it, yeah, uh, have them uh, give it a shot. We'd love to have them. And uh, yeah, ratings and reviews and stuff are all very useful as well. Yeah. I cool. think that's probably about it. Gary, you got to get to a show. I do. Um, so until next time, it is the end of the show as we know it. And we feel fine. Hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> say, say what? Turn it to that station. You'll turn to that station. More music.